So if you wanna get your Bible, if you've got one, otherwise download one, open it up right now. And can I just urge you that if you are opening your Bible, would you also open your heart? You know, I, I really think that, that there's no sense in just listening to words being spoken when it comes to the Bible. What we want to do is open up our hearts and choose to engage because heaven's guidance, heaven's wisdom, heaven's truth is going to collide with our lives the more that we open our lives to it. And so let's just pray for a moment. And that's what we're doing, God. And actually, that's what this reboot camp is all about. It's about just resetting our lives, opening up our lives once again to your guidance. And so we just come to you right now and say, speak, your servants are listening. Amen. 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 So we are in the book of Joshua, which is about six millimeters from the front. And we're in Joshua chapter one. Let's just read it straight off the bat. Let's go. Uh, it says this, Joshua 1 verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. That's it, that's, that's our text for today. Oh my gosh, my heart is beating so fast. I'm so excited, I wonder where I am on my notes. So this is the one of the biggest moments in the Old Testament. So God's people, they've been in a holding pattern in uh, the wilderness for 40 years. And this is the moment when God says to them, it's time to cross into the promised land. You know, it's been a, a season of uh, grief and loss and struggle and frustration. And they've not been able to travel really anywhere. They've just been stuck there. And now is the moment where God says, it's time to move on. It's time to cross into something new. It's time to step into all the promises that I've made to you over so many years. What an exciting moment. And um, I hope you can see the similarities between what's happening in this story and what seems to be happening for us. You know, on the 16th of March, we went into lockdown and it was as if we kind of came out of one world. And then since then, we've been in a kind of a stalemate, a waiting time, a transition time. And, and it's been so strange, hasn't it? But doesn't it feel like just in the last little while, it feels like, oh gosh, it seems like we're on the brink of something new. It feels like we're on the banks of the Jordan River and we can see that something new is afoot. And I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I think you might be being a bit dramatic here, Chuck. You know, I think you might be just over-egging the cake a little bit. But let me, just, let me just explain to you what I see. Because honestly, friends, I think we need to lift our eyes 
I think we have to lift our eyes and see the bigger story that's being written. I believe it with all my heart. You know, um, when we went into lockdown, our church just jumped online and many other churches jumped online at the same time. But also, so did your friends, so did your family, so did your work colleagues. And, and they jumped online and they visited church. You know, a quarter of the UK population visited church almost immediately. Something extraordinary had happened. There was a new openness to God, a new, a new, a new um, kind of seeking for God just suddenly in that moment. That hadn't been there before. And suddenly it was there. And none of us could have imagined that that was going to happen, but suddenly it did. And from that moment in our church, something like 130 people have said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus during those the uh, church at home episodes that we've had. On top of that, we've run some of our busiest ever alpha courses and a whole bunch of you have come to faith on those alpha courses too. None of us expected any of this to happen, but it's lovely and it's beautiful. There's something redemptive is that's happening right now in our time, in our day. Over the last century or so, the perception of the church has deteriorated, hasn't it? So, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, people would have looked at the church and thought, Do you know, it's probably a helpful thing that there's a church in most communities in the UK. And then that deteriorated, and then it was kind of, well, it's probably harmless that there's a church in most communities. And just recently, hasn't it started to shift towards, actually, I think it's harmful that there's a church in most communities. We need to push that church right to the edges of society and make sure that they don't have too much influence. And yet, when the lockdown happened, suddenly, you know, when everything else stopped, the world stopped, what was still standing so beautifully, so, so brilliantly was the church. The church serving the poor, feeding the hungry, supporting those who felt isolated and alone and uh, speaking a message of peace and hope into the swirl, into the chaos. It's the church. And so doesn't it feel like the perception of the church has just shifted in a way that we couldn't have imagined six months ago? How exciting. I, I, honestly, I think we need to really lift our eyes and begin to see that, that the culture, the fabric of our culture is shifting. And isn't it just conceivable that in this time, God is doing something. Isn't it just possible that there's a redemptive purpose at work? Isn't it just possible that we stand on the brink of stepping into a new land of opportunities and freedom and step into more of the promises of God? I believe with all my heart that it is possible. And so the question that I want us to look at, because it's so important that we respond to this moment appropriately. It's so important that we step into this moment. And so I want to ask the question and then answer it today. What kind of people cross over? What kind of people get to cross over into the new things of God? And I want to say the first thing is people who invest their lives in others cross over. Who's at the center of our story? Well, right in the beginning of uh, our chapter in verse one, it says, Joshua, son of Nun. Is, he, he's, he's the hero of our story. But who is Joshua, son of Nun? Well, 
actually for uh, you know uh, several books of the Bible before this moment uh, Joshua appears and, and so actually 27 times in the previous books Joshua appears and so we know quite a lot about him he's a military general he's a young guy he's uh, a right-hand man to Moses he's someone who is who has been saturated in the presence of God he's just lived in the tent of meeting in the wilderness like for ages and ages but actually what's important for us to see here is that he's also someone that Moses had has poured his life into Moses has invested in his life and we know that because in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 3 Moses discovers that he is not going to be the leader to lead God's people into the promised land which he's devastated about but also in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 28, God says to Moses, but commission Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him for he will lead these people across. So let's be clear. The only reason that God's people are now ready to cross over into the promised land is because Joshua is ready. And the only reason that Joshua is ready to lead the people is because Moses has invested his life. He's poured his life into Joshua. What a beautiful, perfect investment on the part of Moses. This entire event is really the fruit of a hidden and personal investment from Moses into Joshua's life. Moses maybe knew that he would never see what he longed to see, but he also knew, do you know, maybe if I pour my life into Joshua, then he will. I've realized that there are lots and lots of things that we're you know lots and lots of parts of church that are not available to us at the moment but this is this is that we could invest our lives into one another you know maybe you're retired and so you've got a whole lifetime of working and um, following Jesus and uh, parenting a family and, and you've learned some things and you've made some mistakes on the way there are people in our church right now who have to know what you know maybe you've been single for a long time and it's not been an easy path but you've, again, you've learned some things along the way. There are people in our church who are desperate to know what you know. Maybe you're, you've just recently graduated and your university life was, um, you know, you faced up to all the trials and temptations and you overcame them, or maybe you didn't. Either way, there, is, there are some younger people in our church right now who really need to know what you know. Or, or maybe you, you're a worship leader and you play the guitar or, or you play the drums or whatever it was. Couldn't you be using this time to pass that on to somebody else? Do you know what I love about this idea is that actually all you need, like you don't need anything that you don't already have. You know, you just need two garden chairs and you could do this. Or you need a pair of shoes and a local park. Or you need an iPad and a, 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 the Zoom app and you could do this every day of the week with somebody different. I think this is it's really, really important in this season that we make sure, you know, we can't do church on Sundays 
in the way that we're familiar with, but we can be the church every day of the week. Just, I just love the thought of hundreds and hundreds of us, you know, investing in some people's lives and being invested in at the same, at the same time. So let me just ask you this. Just place yourself in Joshua's shoes. Who's your Moses? You've got to find a Moses. Place yourself in Moses' shoes. Who's your Joshua? You've got to find a Joshua. I, I, I just urge you to think of somebody right now, maybe a couple of people. Think of a Moses, think of a Joshua, and make a commitment to yourself that you're going to call them this week and book an appointment. I'd love you to do that. So, um, people who invest in the lives of others cross over. That's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, people who leave no one behind cross over. Just listen to God's instruction in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. I mean, just say it like it is, right? <laughs> Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and who else? You and all these people get ready to cross over the, ridge, the River Jordan. It's quite sad, actually. Do you know what? I've never thought of this before. Um, but uh, God's people, the Israelites, they went into Egypt as a family. It was Jacob and his family. They came out of Egypt and through the ordeal of the wilderness. And what happened? They became fragmented. Suddenly they were tribalized. They were, you know, oh, which tribe are you from? I'm from this tribe. And they started to look out for their own interests. I think there's something about that, you know, that in our day, this lockdown thing has had a slightly corrosive effect in terms of just causing people to lock down into their own tribes. But God's call to Joshua is so significant. He says, you and all these people, I want you to gather them up. You know, previously, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad and the tribe of the half tribe of Manasseh, they'd said, We're not, we won't even come. You know, like, we'll, we'll just stay here. This place, you know, you can go into the promised land. We'll just stay here. And God says to Joshua, no, 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 no. You don't leave anyone behind. You don't leave anyone behind. You scoop them all up. Let's all go together. I've never been a school teacher. And if you're a teacher right now, I can imagine that this is very stressful. It's a very stressful time for you. We want you to know that we're praying for you. And uh, if there's anything we can do to support you, please let us know. But also I can imagine that one of the stressful moments in a school teacher's year ordinarily is school trips, right? Because um, you've got to keep everyone, haven't you? So, so you, you know, you line everyone up in the school car park and you say, right, let's just take the register. And it's like going through everyone. Where's Barry gone? Barry's gone to the toilet, right? Okay, let's get Barry. Right now, where's Sarah gone? Oh, you know, Sarah's, Sarah's just speaking to her mum, And so you kind of gather everyone, you get everyone on the coach, you do a head count. Um, and then you drive off towards the museum, you get to the museum, you do another head count, and then you say, right, let's meet for lunch. And then it's like, meet for lunch at 12 o'clock. Well, 12 o'clock comes and there are four people missing. One of them's gone to the, the museum shop. The other one's using the payphone, And, you know, it's just a nightmare. And then you've got to get everyone at every point, just counting the heads and get everyone back to the school car park at the end of the day. Do you know, I'm just going to be t- really honest now. This lockdown, as a pastor or as pastors, it's been awful. Because as well as loads of other things, we realize that we've used Sunday by Sunday as an opportunity to count heads. Is everyone with us? 
Who's struggling? Who are we leaving behind? Who's missing? Who do we need to give a call to? You know, who's got stuck in the museum shop? And we've not been able to do that. You know, we know that some people, lots of people are watching this live stream, but we don't know who it is. We don't know who is and who isn't. And so I honestly think that God's word to us is you and all these people need to cross over. In other words, we need to be Joshua for one another. We need to gather one another up. We need to look out for one another. I wonder whether there's somebody that you're thinking of right now that suddenly you think, do you know what? I haven't seen or heard from that person for five months. And uh, now is the moment. Like you're probably thinking, well, somebody else will be looking out for them. Somebody else will have given them a call. Somebody else will have given them a message. You know, our pastors have been trying really hard, you know, phone calls, WhatsApp messages, emails to keep in contact with people. But some of you are, uh, you'll be thinking, I wonder whether anyone contacted them. Listen, don't even think about it. You don't even need to know them very well. Make the call. Please make the call. Please send the message. Please invite them to something. Please check in on them. We've all got to go together on this journey. We don't want to leave anyone behind. Uh, yeah. So, number three, people who are ready cross over. People who are ready. Jesus told a number of parables that had a similar theme. It was kind of, you've got to make sure that you stay alert, that you stay ready, that you stay aware of what it is that God's doing. I'm thinking of, for example, the parable of uh, the young women who've got to keep their oil lamps full of oil and their wicks trimmed because at any moment the bridegroom could come. And, and the, you know, the, the important message from those parables is you must be ready, you must be alert, you must be trying to perceive what God's doing. I think we need to be doing that. You can see why when you realize that throughout history, God has often seemed to be taking his time and then he moves suddenly. That's how it works. You know, I'm just thinking about this moment. They've been wandering around the desert for 40 years and then suddenly, God says to Joshua in verse two, get ready, get ready to cross the river Jordan. Well, how long have they got to get ready? Well, it says in verse 11, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan. They've been waiting for 40 years and now they've got three days to pack their suitcases. That's how God works. You see it also in the story of the Exodus, you know, 430 years in captivity in Egypt, and then suddenly God rescues them. Nehemiah, Nehemiah is uh, serving uh, the king, he's grown up in the courts of the king, and then suddenly he finds himself at the center of God's activity in the world. Or, um, you know, the, the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, 500 years where God just seems to go silent and suddenly John the Baptist is on the scene saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm thinking about the revival in 1859 in Aberdeen. No one would have seen it coming. The church was in a bit of a tight spot but amongst the children God started to move. If you were ready, if you were alert, you could have perceived it. And then suddenly this flame just kind of spreads across the whole of the northeast of Scotland for several years. Or the Hebridean revival, you know, two old ladies 
They're the ones who see it. They're the ones who are praying. And then suddenly, again, whole communities get swept into the purposes of God, into the kingdom of God. And so we must be ready. Be ready. Be alert. Be awake. Can I urge you, you know, pinch yourself, dig yourself in the ribs, tell yourself, I'm not going to miss this. I'm going to cross over. I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be awake. I'm going to be ready. This is a moment. It's, it's just, it's inconceivable that this moment in world history wouldn't have a redemptive purpose in the heart of God. And we don't want to miss out. And lastly, people who refuse to settle cross over. The truth is that what God is wanting to give them is unimaginably abundant. Um, you know, this is a group of people, the generation before them had lived in slavery and had to make bricks with straw. This generation had lived as refugees, just living in makeshift tents and just, you know, traveling for 40 years, their whole lives. And yet the, uh, the geographical area that God is marking out for them is absolutely enormous. If you actually follow, you know, the Euphrates, the Mediterranean, uh, the desert, like this is a, a, a geographical area that occupies half of modern day Turkey, half of Syria, half of Saudi Arabia, and all of modern day Israel. It's unbelievably big. God's plans, his purposes, his provision for us is beyond anything. You know, we've always said in our church, there is so much more. There's so much more. So let's not settle here. Do you know, they, they could have uh, sat for years on the banks of the Jordan, just thinking, well, he said he was going to give it to us. <laughs> You know, verse two, I'm about to give it to them, God says. Verse three, I'll give you every place you set your foot. And so they could have just thought, well, we'll just sit here. He said he's going to give it to us. It's going to appear sooner or later. But of course, they would have just shriveled up and died on the banks of the Jordan. Because actually, if you read it properly, you realize that there's, it's like a call and response. God says, I will give you everywhere that you set your feet. I'm about to give them a land and they, they've got to cross over into it. So much of the Christian life is about posture. It's about, I'm going to make a decision to not settle where I am and to receive everything that God is offering to me. I think there's a truth for us. You know, was it the Apostle Paul, or it was the Apostle Paul, who said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I think the scriptures are urging each one of us, are you going to set your feet into the promised land? Are you going to cross over? Are you going to make a decision to respond to God's uh, provision, his promise, his, uh, his, his call? Or are you going to settle where you are? Let's none of us settle. Please, God. Let's none of us settle. Let's pray, shall we?